Today we are continuing in week two of our series called Winning in Relationships. So will you help me in joining and welcoming our pastor, Chuck Thor. Hey, and welcome, welcome to all of you who are in the building and all you who are watching online and all you on the patio. And by the way, last week I heard there were like seven or eight dogs out on the patio. They can't understand it, but welcome dogs. No, um, hey, I, I loved Craig's message last week. Did you guys love Craig's message last week? Yeah. A lot of people told me it was so meaningful to them, and we're going to do kind of a part two of that. But he started out last week by talking about a cat that ate a bird. Uh, so if you didn't hear it, you got to go back and hear it. Super funny. But it reminded me of something. One time when I was a pastor at Christ Church of the Valley in San Dimas, um, I was doing a wedding. And at the end of the wedding, the plan was all of us would go outside and the bride and groom would come out. And then what would happen is we were going to, they had people who were going to release doves, these two doves that symbolized their relationship, that symbolized they would soar off together into this brand new life. So everybody got outside and we're all gathered together. They come walking out, we start cheering and they release the doves. And the doves went up and hit an overhang, and both of them dropped down dead. I mean, it was funny, but it wasn't funny. You know what I mean? Like, they're they're dead. Like, both of them, not even one made it. And in that moment, the question is, what does it symbolize? (laughs) And I think what it might symbolize is this, that it's hard to stay up here. It's hard to stay living on the top of the mountain. And that above all love kind of setting. And so the bottom line is God wants us up here, but it takes work. And today I want to share with you some warning signs that we're heading in the wrong direction so we can put the brakes on and not go downhill from God's ideal. So you can recognize when you're beginning to lose at relationships, when God wants you to be winning at relationships. And God's great desire is that you would do that. Uh, last week, Craig gave us principles that showed how we could get to the top of the mountain. And the first one is this. You've got to keep love above all. You've got to be an above all kind of person. And the second one is then you speak the truth in love. And then you have to choose to be someone who's not easily provoked or irritated. And then you ought to choose way ahead of time to be a forgiving person. And when something doesn't work out, what do you do? Craig shared it with you. Jesus tells you that you reconcile quickly. You rapidly seek to reconcile the relationship. But the key is this, you've got to be an above all person. Um, Lee Strobel shared something in a book called The Case for Heaven. By the way, we're gonna be having Lee, hopefully this summer, share on that. But he said there were actually thousands of people studied in a research project, not just hundreds, but thousands, who actually died and then had an out-of-body experience. Now, whether you believe it or not, I think it's interesting to note this, that there were some core things true of the vast majority of people who experienced that. And one of those core things was this. In other words, the vast majority of them either had a moment with a beautiful, loving uh, presence around them, or they were in the midst of a horror story 
with fear that they had never ever felt before, deeper than anything they could imagine, and a darker, darker existence. But both those groups of people said this, they had to give an account of their life. And all of them had to give an account, not of things they did, but a way they related with others. In other words, what was most important in that moment was, were they loving or not loving? Were they people of solid winning relationships? Or were they people that very often hurt others? And, and Lee said this, he said, as I began to see all the research come in, life in the end is about love. Jesus said that. Jesus said that we need to love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then what do we do next? We love others. We love others. And I praise God that I'm married to a woman who's an above all kind of person. Pam seeks to always be up here. Um, a while back, a, a few years ago, there was a, a girl who uh, was part of our youth ministry at Christ Church of the Valley, and she went away to college and she lost her faith. And she got involved in the LGBTQ lifestyle to the point that she married another woman. And uh, Pam saw on social media some things happening and saw how she looked. And Pam decided to, to actually tell her, hey, you look beautiful and, and say kind things about her. And then what happened is Pam, Pam began to be attacked. People got upset at Pam for being nice to this girl, for being kind to this girl, a girl we love. Pam was an above all person. By the way, I want you to know, we know that girl well enough and she knows us well enough that she knows our views, she knows our values, and she knows how we feel about the biblical stand about morality in the Bible. But she also knows something else. She knows we're gonna love her. She knew Pam was gonna love her, yeah. And Pam refused to be bullied into coming down from the top of the mountain. She refused to let other people influence her to be bitter and mean-spirited. Pam refused to have that happen. Why? Because 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says what? It says, above all, don't miss that, above all, have fervent love for one another. Now notice it's not just love, it's fervent love. And why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. And when you're an above all person, that's what you do. You live with fervent love, passionate love, love that is above politics, love that is above opinions, love that's above when maybe you're not your best, uh, love that happens when somebody doesn't love in return. Above all people, love. Above all people, keep fervent love. And that love covers a multitude of sins. And God wants you and I to be that way. Interestingly, Jesus told a story about love above all. And, and we call that story the prodigal son. But it's really not just about the prodigal son. It, it, it has a deeper meaning, a bigger meaning than that. And so what Jesus said was this. Jesus said there was a father whose son came to him, and most likely the younger son came to him and said, Father, give me my inheritance. By the way, let me ask you a question. When do you usually get your inheritance? When do you get it? Yeah, so do you know what he was saying to his dad? It could not be more mean. It could not be more insulting. 
He said, give me my inheritance. And he gets his inheritance and he leaves the family. He runs away and he spends it on things the father would never agree with, on things that would not be okay in any way, shape, or form in the lifestyle that they would live. He chose an alternative lifestyle too. And so what happened in that moment is he is living the opposite of the way his father would want him to. And he's spending the money on things the father would not agree with. And then he runs out because he's so foolish. And when he runs out of money, he ends up having to become a a slave. And by the way, he ends up having to feed pigs. And he's Jewish, by the way. If you're a Jew and you're feeding pigs, what does that tell you? But he got so hungry, he thought, I want to eat the slop. And then I love how Jesus says it. When he came to a census. When he came to a census. He decided, you know what, even my father's servants have it better than I do. So he decided to go home to his father. And what happened when he did that is this. It says, so he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him. And I love this line, this part, this word here. He ran, he ran. He ran after him in that moment. And I think that's interesting because we know that the father is symbolizing God. And so are you ready for what that means? Whenever you mess up, God doesn't wait for you to come to him. He runs to you. I don't want you to miss that God is that way. God loves like that. And so God wants us to be those kind of people. And so in that moment, he ran and, and he embraced him and he kissed him. Is that your picture of God? It's mine that God wants to throw his arms around you and God wants to kiss you and God wants to hold you and tell you and have you feel loved. And it says this, and the son said to him, to the father, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, which by the way, he was probably barefooted at that point. He was so poor. And it says, and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and he has been found. And they began to celebrate. They began to celebrate. Now, what do you see about the the father in this story? I see that he's an above all person in love. Don't you catch it? How he didn't make his son pay. He didn't say, What 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 where did you spend the money? He didn't say, you know, now you're back. Finally you woke up. By the way, not one reproachful thing. He loved with above reproach kind of mentality. And the father just loved the son and wanted to resurrect the relationship. That's what the father wanted to see happen. And what you need to understand is Jesus is saying, this is the kind of love you and I ought to have. Above all, above all kind of love. And so in that moment, we begin to see that. But we also see somebody who didn't have that kind of love. A brother who couldn't get past what his brother had done. Now his older son was in the field and when he came and approached the house, he heard music. And by the way, I I want to point this out. And dancing. What does that tell you? They weren't Baptists. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I couldn't resist. Okay, come on. Yeah, that's (laughs) what Baptist. Oh, never mind. All right. 
And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And then it says this. It says, and he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. Now again, the father symbolizes God the father, right? When you and I won't love Do you understand what God does? He pleads with you to start loving. I don't even know if that's something I can wrap my arms around. Maybe you can. God begs you to love. The Holy Spirit is urging you to love and forgive. And if you and I are sensitive to the Lord, he actually will plead with us to love like that. And I I, I think in that moment, I sit there looking going, wow, That's what God wants. That's how God wants us to live. That's how God wants us to love. He wants us to not go downhill from his ideal. But we can, and we do. We get hurt. We get insulted. We get disrespected. Maybe we have a disagreement, and we begin to go through phases that take us away from everything God wants us to have. So what are those warning signs to know you're starting downhill? And I don't want you to miss that. Because what happens is the first one is avoidance. Uh, when we begin to want to avoid people. Did you notice the older brother wouldn't go inside the house? He wanted to avoid being in the presence of his brother. And by the way, what happened in that moment blows me away. He misses out on the food, the dancing, and the celebration because he's rather stand outside mad. And, and you know what? Too many times we start having those kind of thoughts and we begin to avoid people. And, and what does that mean? It means you don't want to be in their presence. And so what you do is if you find out they're going to be somewhere, you try everything you can not to go. I, uh, I, have you ever done this? Let's just get honest. How many of you have had an event coming and you heard someone's going to be there and you thought, I hope I get sick? <laughs> and some of you, you know what you've done? You pretended you were sick. Ah, I'm not feeling good. Can't go. Maybe you attend the same church, this church, and uh, you switch worship services so you don't have to be, uh, be around them or you choose to be online so that you don't have to even chance entering their presence. There are times that people park in different places. They, they use different exits. Boy, there's some nervous laughter going on. <laughs> and you know what is, you just begin to avoid them. You, and then you know you're in that state whenever you hear their name and it bothers you. Someone says their name and you're like, ah. Oh. And the problem is you go from avoidance to the next level right here to mistrust. Now you start thinking, you know what? I can't trust them. And when you don't have trust, you don't have a relationship. So now you really are losing at this point because trust is everything. But you start telling yourself, I can't trust them. I can't trust what they say. I can't trust what they'll do. I can't trust their motives. I can't trust anything about them. And so then what happens is you go from avoidance to mistrust to the next one is contempt. 
Now, contempt is when you begin to demonize them. When you love somebody, you tend to think the best. Matter of fact, you do think the best. Uh, When I was doing next generation ministry, youth ministry, uh, it seemed to happen a lot that we had girls who began to date guys that we knew weren't good for them. And so I even had parents come say, can you do anything to get my daughter to open her eyes that this guy's, you know, he's a loser. And uh, I would go talk to the girl and here's what she'd say. You don't know, you don't know them like I do. You just don't know them like I do. And I'm like, oh yeah, we do. (laughs) But see, she saw him through like love colored glasses, like rose colored glasses and only could see the good. When you love somebody, that's how it is. You pretty much only see the good. But when you go to contempt, you only see the bad. And so when someone says something good about them, you're like, oh, you don't know them like I do. And you really have this idea that they're that bad, they're that wrong, they're that horrible of a person. And the Lord is like pleading with you, don't do this. Don't do this. Don't be that way. Why? Because you're working up, you're working up the courage to go to the next place and that's here. The death of the relationship. See, when you hit this place, you've got a name on the tombstone. And some people have a lot of tombstones. But let me ask you a question. Whose name could you put right here? Whose name could you say this is that, that's who it is? Who is somebody in your life that you've reached a place where, you know what? I don't want to be around them. I don't want to think of them. I don't want them in my life. And if you were to bump into them, you would react. Because, man, it's dead. It's dead. And God doesn't want you to be in a place where you do that. Some people have a whole graveyard in their backyard. They have a bunch of tombstones. And the Lord's desire, the Lord's hope, the Lord's pleading is... Don't be that kind of person. And here's the good news. When you finally hit a place where that occurs, you can actually see God resurrect the relationship. But we need to understand that when that happens, we're living the antithesis of what God wants to occur. Look what it says in 1 John. It says, everyone who hates his brother. Now, by the way, is a murderer. And I know you might say, well, no, 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 I don't hate him. Well, the definition of hatred is not what we would think it would be. The definition of hatred is this. I don't want them to exist. I don't want to hear their name. I don't want to be in their presence. I want their existence wiped out. I don't want to think about them. And it says everyone who is that way is a murderer because you've killed them off. And it says, you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us And we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He said, I want you to be someone who can put it down, lay down that, that your life for them, care about them, love them, be an above all person towards them. So the question we need to ask is whose name is on the tombstone? And we need to make sure we do whatever we can not to let it be there. I was uh, speaking at a, a men's retreat 
and there was a, a man who was in the front row, uh, both sessions that I had spoken at that time. And I loved this guy. I didn't know him, but why did I love him? Because he had, he, he was one of those people who laughed at the jokes and, and I could see on his face he was into the message. Uh, some of you are that way. So you know what I do? I look for you. And some of you, I have to love above all. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> After one of the sessions, I could see he was emotional. So I went to him said, hey, I know we haven't met, but are you okay? He said, no. I was talking about this very subject. He said, uh, Chuck, the name on the tombstone's my son. And we, we just got into it and got into it and got into it. And, and I finally just lost it one day, and I haven't seen him ever since. He got married. I didn't go to his wedding. He had a little boy. I've never seen my grandson. And so I looked at him and I said, what do you think God wants you to do? He said, I I think I need to call him. We were up at this camp where there was no cell phone reception, so there was a phone booth. I know some of you don't know what that is, but. (laughs) He said, will you come with me while I make the call? And I said, well, let's pray before we do. And so we prayed. And I walked over and he picks up the phone and I'm standing next to him for moral support and uh, he makes the phone call. And I could hear the son's voice like, hello? And uh, this dad said, son? And I could hear very clearly the son say, dad? And he said, son, it's been a long time. I'm so sorry. And he starts to cry. And then I couldn't really hear everything else that was being said, but I could just pick up a few phrases and stuff. But uh, all of a sudden, the dad said, I'll be there, I'll be there. And he hung up and he looked at me. He said, my son, my son wants me to come right now. He said, I'm going. I said, let's go, I'll help you. He got in the car that night and drove to see his son and to see his grandson for the first time. Yeah. I know and you know it doesn't always go that easy. Sometimes you reach out and people shut the door and say no. Maybe they were too hurt. Maybe they feel you treated them too unfairly. Maybe they just don't want to put in the energy. But the Lord is so clear that we need to try. Why? Because God is a God of resurrections. God is a God who brings things back. God is a God who causes things to come to life again. And so God wants you and I to be able to do that together. Uh, God wants us to, to, to put the effort in and, and seek to be that way. And, and so we need to have that. We need to have that be truly who we are. And so you and I need to, to seek to be in a love above all kind of person. Uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, it says, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart and a clear conscience and a genuine faith. But notice verse 6. But some people have missed this whole point. Some people missed the whole point. They have turned away from these things and spend their time in meaningless discussions. 
What did I share with you about what Lee Strobel said? Lee Strobel said, when you look at the research, when you look at the evidence of people who died and had to face up to what happened in their life before they came back, they all talked about relationships. By the way, according to what I read, they didn't talk about politics. They didn't talk about, you know, uh, materialism. They didn't talk about a, a lot of the other things. What, what they talked about, again, was love or lack of love. They talked about when they got it right, and they talked about when they got it wrong. And God's great desire is that you and I, you and I would be people who live out this deep love so we can win in our relationships in an incredible way. Let me go back to what Craig talked about uh, as we looked about how to get to the top of the mountain. And so remember, we speak the truth in love. And so when we talk to people, we're truthful. Uh, but when we have a hard situation, we are honest with them. Uh, but we, we do that. We're not easily provoked. We're, we're not going to be irritated. We're not going to be easily offended. Um, by the way, we're living in a world today where everybody's canceling each other out. And a person who loves above all doesn't cancel out. Uh, we choose to forgive ahead of time. By the way, I hope you choose to forgive ahead of time. Uh, and that you've got that in your, your mind, your heart, your attitudes. And then we rapidly reconcile with people when it doesn't go well. That's what God wants us to do. So we can stay in that above all kind of situation. Um, some years ago, I preached this very message. By the way, some of you go, hey, Chuck, you've preached this before. I try to preach it every other year. Did you know that? And let me tell you why, because I need it. I think you need it too. Do you need it too? And I need it. But I preached this message and a, a woman in our church, she thought, I know whose name's on my tombstone. It was back when she was a young mom, her very, very best friend, they lived in the same apartment complex. And they had kids about the same time. And their, their dream was to grow, watch their children grow up together. And one day their, their two boys were outside and they got into a fight and the one mom went out and began to yell and scream at the other mom's son. And she was looking out the window seeing this woman screaming at her son and she ran outside. And she began to yell at her and they began to yell back and forth and it escalated and got more heated. And then they both went into the house with their kids fuming mad. And that was the last time they spoke. She told me, Chuck, I remember looking out the window and her and her son would be outside. I wouldn't go out there. She was doing avoidance. I would sometimes wait for her to leave so I could leave so we wouldn't bump into each other. I changed what store I shopped at so I wouldn't be in the same store with her. And I kept telling my husband, we got to move, we got to move, and eventually we moved. So I didn't want to be around her. She goes, I haven't seen her in years. We were best friends. And because of that one incident, and I couldn't let it go, and I don't know that she could let it go, we had a tombstone. So I said, well, what, what does God want you to do? And she said, I think God wants me to reconcile, but I'm not sure how I'd find her. And I said, well, let's start with praying. Start by praying and asking God to give you the opportunity to let the moment come and so this woman 
she agreed to do that and she prayed. She said, Lord, if there's any way I could be with her, any way I could see her, I, I promise, I'll try. Well, she hadn't prayed very long. I don't know how many days it was and she was in a grocery store and she was, got her cart and she goes to turn down the aisle and there is that woman, her, best, her former best friend down the aisle. And she was like, oh, God did this. And then she did what almost all of us would do. She turned around and went the other way. She really did. Because she just couldn't do it. She said, my heart was beating. I, I felt like hands were shaking. I didn't think I could even talk to her. So how am I going to do? And then she's going, God, but you want me to. And then there was everything inside her just was like, I got to run. I got to run. That you know, f- uh, flight mentality took over. So she went to go check out because she had a lot of groceries. And she got up to the check stand and she's standing in line and she hears a cart coming behind her. And she thought, oh, I know. She turned around and they saw each other. And her former friend goes, oh, and went to go to another line. And she grabbed the cart and said, hey, can we talk? Can we talk? And she said, yeah, I'd like that. So they both had to wait to pay. She said it took forever. Like, come on, hurry, get this done. And they go outside and they're standing there. And she said, I actually prayed that we would see each other. I prayed that God would somehow give me a chance to ask you to forgive me. I can't believe I did what I did. I can't believe I acted the way I acted. I can't believe I held on to something that really in the end I know better than. And uh, the friend's crying. She said, oh, I want to be back together. She said, the reason I'm here is I have a very aggressive form of cancer. And uh, so the best hospital for it's right here in LA so she said I'm sitting in a hotel alone I just for some reason thought to come to the store she said I think God did bring us together and so she said to her friend she said well don't stay in a hotel come stay with us and she goes really and she said yeah and she did they got to be together she got to help her through her cancer treatments by the way praise God it was successful yeah But God did what he always does. He resurrected it. He wants to do that. He always does that when we say yes to him and the other person says yes too. So my question would be, who is it that maybe you need to, you need to pray and then reach out to? Who is it that you need to call and say, forgive me, can we get past this? Who is it that you might say, I know calling's not enough. I need to go see him. And hopefully you'd say, I don't know that I have anybody. But I want to tell you, if you don't, choose ahead of time to be here. Because you're going to have a day it gets tested. And you know what love does? Love rises above. Love covers a multitude of sins. Love is bigger than any difference. And Jesus, Jesus said, you know what? God is a love above all person. God is a love above all person. And so we need to understand that, yeah. You've never, ever committed a sin that God did not want to forgive you for and cleanse you from. You've never done anything where God wouldn't love you. God 
never gives up on you, even if you give up on him. And right now, some of you need to open up to God and to his love. You need to say yes to him and to the life he has for you. Some of you need to do that for the very first time. Some of you need to recommit your lives to him. But I'm going to ask you to do that right now. Would you open up to a God that if you would take one step towards him, he would run to you. He would love you. He would care about you. And some of you right now need to do that. Let's pray. Father, I pray right now for anybody who's here that needs to come to know your love. Because it all begins by opening up to you and and asking you, Lord, to take us and care for us and forgive us and cleanse us and then commit our lives to you. And I pray right now some people would just say yes to you. Whether you're here or online, let me ask you a question. You ready to say yes to God? You ready to live a life where you're on the top of the mountain? You ready to experience him in an incredible way? If so, pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'd forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'd heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'd free me from anything or anyone that would hold me down or hold me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. And I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer. And if you pray that prayer and you're online, I want you to text amen, which means the truth, to 77247. So right now, I'm not kidding. Do that so we can interact with you. Do that so we can send you a free gift. But we are so excited for you. So if you're online and you prayed that prayer, you said yes to God, text amen to 77247. Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people take their next step. So... What's your next step? Whether you've made a decision to follow Jesus, want to be baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next step at crossroadschurch.family. We also want to invite you to gather your family and friends to join us right here online again next week. We're live Wednesdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages. If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we can pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads and if you want to be part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching and we'll see you next time.